Bing bong. What's up? Welcome back to the Ship Life TV podcast, the show that is dedicated to raising awareness of the opportunity of helping new and existing crew have an enjoyable contract and raising awareness of the opportunity of working on cruise ships. Today, I have a very special episode for you. We've got Riley Tench on the podcast, and uh, we're going to hop into that right now. Riley, how's it going, man? How's how's life? <laughs> life is good, man. Um, yeah, it's you know I'm I'm finally home. I'm finally back in Alaska. It's it's been a crazy journey. I was on the ship for 150 days at sea. Hundred. Um, when you add it all up. So that was, that's, that's life changing stuff, man. That's something you're not going to forget. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. That's I, 150. So that's like, five um, months. what, five, five months. Yeah. Now, how long are your normal contract? Six months, right? Yeah. Six or seven, depending on, you know, what they need and stuff like that. Depends. Right. And I was told that you are your AV on the ship. You do, are you lighting? I I do lighting, but you know, you know how ships are. It's, it's like, you got to do a mix of everything. So, um, you know, if they need video help, I'll be there. If they need audio Mm -hmm. help, I'll be there. But primarily lighting, that is what's in my job description. (laughs) For, for those who are watching, who are not familiar with the infamous Riley Riley Tench. <laughs> um, give us a little bit of your background and how you got started just in working on cruise ships in general and doing sure. the job that you do. Yeah, so I joined Royal Caribbean in 2018, uh, around May, early May, so about halfway through the year. Um, I wanted to work on cruise ships since I was like in high school, though. I oh, wow. went on a couple cruises like as a passenger with my family and loved it. I've always kind of been into technology and entertainment technology and technical theater and all that stuff. I was really involved in that scene in high school. I did a lot of volunteer work with, you know, like local theater companies and production companies and stuff like that. So, you know, it seemed like this natural continuation of what I enjoy doing it combined with travel and meeting cool people and getting to see the world and all of the things that come along with working on cruise ships. So yeah, I went to college after high school. I graduated in 2016. I went to college for around two years, like just shy of two years and decided that I just wasn't getting enough out of it. And I just wanted to take a shot at just trying to get straight into work. Mm -hmm. And so Christmas of 2017, I applied to a bunch of different cruise lines, Princess, Royal, Celebrity, all of the big ones. And um, Royal Caribbean shot me back an email like a month later. Was that the only one or did you have like multiple offers? Um, I think that was the only one. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and check. I know I got rejected by at least one. Uh, I think it was Disney didn't want me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly because like once Royal responded, I mean, it was, it was quick, you know, I got my phone interview and then um, I did a Skype interview and then went straight into it like a month after that, after my medical was done and everything. 
one month. Yeah. So, so from the was it a month from the day that you you uh, you got you were accepted for the position? No. So you know the hardest part was actually getting my medical done because I had to go to one of the approved medical centers and stuff. In I was in Oregon at the time, uh, so I had to go to Portland, Oregon, get my medical done, and then there was a whole thing about that, and then. They used the wrong form, so they had to fill out new forms, and there was all this stuff. But well, that sounds like a cruise ship. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> um, all all in all, it probably took like I think I got the response around February from Royal, and then, you know, I I joined officially on March twelfth. Uh, no, not March twelfth. No, May twelfth. <laughs> May twelfth of what so, year was this? Uh, this was twenty eighteen. 2018. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Is that, is that your official title? Uh, lighting tech or AV tech? What is your lighting official technician. title? Yeah. Lighting technician. Gotcha. Yeah. So you said that you were always into it and that's what you studied in school. I, well, yeah. So I studied theater in general in school. So I was, you know, exploring all of the different things like, you know, screenplay writing and acting and all that stuff. Um, but I've always been a very technical person at heart. Um, you can probably see that in my videos. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but I've always kind of had a, I've, I've, been, I've always been a huge fan of storytelling through technology. And so right. if, if it's live theater or a video or, you know, a movie, like I'm, I'm a huge fan of all those different types of mediums, you know, employing technology to, communicate stories and ideas to people so what made you want to start vlogging um while you were on the cruise ship was it just straight up boredom or did you like did you actually want to tell the story or um so i actually experimented with the format a little bit i spent okay so you know i'm a fan of peter mckinnon and casey yeah. and all those guys uh -huh. yeah. so i spent way too much money on camera gear um after my first <laughs> contract because i i like suddenly had money, you know, like I had all this money yeah. that I hadn't spent. So I'm like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to buy a bunch of camera gear and I'm going to try this. I'm going to see mm -hmm. what it's like. And the videos, nothing happened. Like performed terribly. Um, for the longest time, like the, my most viewed video was like 150 views. And that was the mm -hmm. first video I ever made. From there, it, you know, I just like just documenting cool stuff. Like, you know, we were in Japan um, so, you know, we get off the ship in Japan, I film some stuff with my friends, et cetera, et cetera. If you watch some of my early videos, so they're still there. But then I stopped that for a while and then COVID came along and yeah, there just wasn't anything to do. And I was watching other people making content and using this time mm -hmm. to, to be creative. And I was like, well, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And, and there, there is, it, in terms of creation on YouTube, there's kind of this void at the moment, or at least there yeah. was, especially a few years ago. Not very many people were making videos from the perspective of crew members. Over the past two years, that has definitely kind of started to expand more. Oh, yeah. And, but yeah, I feel like I was one of the lucky ones that was able to kind of ride that wave alongside the coronavirus and it just worked, I guess. <laughs> well, I feel, I feel like one reason why you're doing so, why, you know, 
why you're doing so well is not just because you're able to tell a story really well, but also your quality is up there. You know, I look at, I look at your, your, your vlogs and it's, you know, I feel like I'm watching a short film documentary. That's well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, you know, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I always will be, but sure. You know, I'm always trying to improve the content and learn from, things that I don't like in previous videos. Um, there's a saying that Peter McKinnon has done is better than perfect. And I always employ that in like, uh, cause I'm inherently a perfectionist and I will spend way too much time on a project if I let myself. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll always remind myself that I just get to the next video and I can make that one just like better than the last one. You know, that's my process. Just keep iterating until I get better instead of right. iterating on one project, you know? <laughs> right. When I, when I started to make videos um, several years ago, it was around like the 2017, 18 uh, era. And one of the challenges I had with vlogging was, you know, having all that footage later and then like just not really knowing what to do with it and spending six mm -hmm. to eight hours on the computer chopping something up. Yeah. And it just became frustrating um, having to, you know, uh, try to tell the story. Uh, eventually, you know, I got to the point where you would kind of edit it in your head as you're shooting it. Yeah, exactly. You you have to figure out at least some sort of framework for what you're shooting mm -hmm. ahead of time. Otherwise, right. I've found that it just doesn't work. Um, right. And that took me several tries to figure out, you know, like, okay, I, I need to at least be like giving myself a bulleted list of what I'm talking about today or something. Like, uh, I just can't, I can't keep it all in my head, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's, I definitely um, think about my edits and stuff ahead of time while I'm shooting. And that really helps the process to, you know, just kind of mesh better. As I was watching some of your, some of your videos too, um, in your, your editing style, again, very much like, like Casey, for example, like you're running around the ship and then, yeah. you know, I just imagine you running to the, to the railway and then setting up the camera, then running back. Oh, that's right that's, what it, that's exactly what it's like I, um, that's <laughs> that's literally what happens and mm -hmm. uh, it's worth it you know the shots look great and I'm it, it feels a little dumb at first but like when when you sit down in front of the computer and you've got that footage it's all worth it right you know? absolutely um, so yeah that's my mentality is like i i almost think of myself as two different people i'm i'm the person that's shooting the video and the person that's editing and we're constantly right. at odds with each other you know mm -hmm. because like the guy that's shooting doesn't want to embarrass himself and just wants to get the video done but the guy that's editing wants these cool shots and wants my shooting guy to go the extra mile and you know finding that you know finding that line has been an interesting journey. <laughs> <laughs> what is the hardest part about um, uh, creating these vlogs and your content for you? Um, there's a lot of challenges to it recently. Um, I've got ADHD, so I generally jump from project to project. It's very hard for me to sustain my interest in something over a long period of time. So, you know, finding ways to keep myself engaged in making content has been a challenge for sure, because I want to make videos. It's, 
it's great to have this little passive source of income and to be able to connect with all these people and share these cool stories and stuff. But keeping myself, you know, excited about the process on a daily basis, that's probably the hardest thing for me. Um, Just staying engaged and trying to find new and cool things to do and new footage angles and just stuff to keep my brain on track. (laughs) Yeah. Now that you're off the ship, well, number one, I feel like you've, you've, you've definitely got a backlog of footage. We were just talking about that. You've you've got a ton of footage that you can sift through. So that should get you through, you know, maybe a month's worth of content or just a little bit more. Yeah. At least Um, a few videos for sure. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just looking at an article saying that ships aren't going to start resuming until they push the date back now to November yeah. 1st. Yeah. I was hearing October, November. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally. I, I, I just saw an article today and it was, it was from like eight hours ago, but right. that being the case, um, I guess, first of all, do you plan on going back to ships? Yes, I do. Definitely. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily miss being on ships right now, you know, I feel like that chapter of this year has kind of come to its natural conclusion, oh, but awesome. I'm definitely looking forward. Oh, are we still here? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 I'm definitely looking forward to getting back and working again when that happens. <laughs> what, what are you going to do, for example, um, for content then once you kind of run through all of your, your footage and um, do you have any plans for that for your channel? I do. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's something that I was stressing out about before I even left was like, how <laughs> am I going to transition this like YouTube channel, which has been exclusively on this one cruise ship documenting uh-huh. this one part of the story? How am I going to take that and move it to a more broader content, you know, stuff that mm-hmm. people are still going to watch and stuff that my viewers sure. are still going to watch? But obviously, I can't do that on a cruise ship anymore. So that's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And what I've settled on, I think, is I live in Alaska. And the tourism industry here is hugely dependent on cruise lines coming up here and getting people with lots of money to spend stuff on souvenirs and excursions and all that stuff. Mm And that's just not happening right now. You know, there's there's a lot of people that either just haven't opened up their businesses for the summer or are struggling to make ends meet. And I think that's a huge untold story that I would like to talk to some local business owners and, you know, explore some of these abandoned hotels and lodges that have, they're, they're like huge complexes that are completely empty right now. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. So... I think that'd be super fun. And I think that ties in very well with the content I've already been making. So, Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to that content because yeah, you know, like then now it's, you know, now we've seen you on the ship and that it's, it's the next, the next chapter, if you will. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited, but I definitely want to keep talking about, you know, how this is, how this pandemic is affecting us all. And there's, there's so many stories to be told, not just on ships, but everywhere. And right. Yeah, especially in Alaska, I think people will be really interested in that. Now, um, to kind of change the subject, so I was um, 
I was actually referred to you by um, one of my followers and he said, you got to check out this guy, Riley Tench, super cool guy. And, um, but he also was, uh, he wanted me to reach out to you because um, he does lighting and okay. he, he had some questions. Sure. Um, I guess we'll start off with, with some of the simple ones. Can you give me uh, just a, a day? What is your daily routine uh, as a lighting tech on the ship? Well, it definitely varies from day to day based on the cruise schedule. So, okay. you know, a port day is going to be very different from a sea day, for instance, because when you're at port, all your guests get off the ship and you don't have anything to do really. There's no events or activities really taking place that need lights. During a sea day, things get a lot more interesting. You've got like matinee shows and cruise staff events and all this other stuff that happens. So it really varies. It also depends on what venue you're working in because the events and activities between venues can wildly vary. If you're in the theater, you're running shows in the theater. If you're in the music hall, you're, you're doing lights for the DJ during like the nightclub section and then you've got like crew staff events and uh movies playing on the projector screen where the lights have to just be off and stuff like that so there's a lot of things to juggle depending on what venue you're in but yeah generally it's it's just a mix of you know those filler events in between the larger production shows with like the full cast and full lighting mm -hmm. and like the projection and all that stuff those are like kind of the main events i'd say in any one of the venues Mm -hmm. um and then the rest of it is just you know game shows and cruise staff and stuff like that and in between that when there's not events going on that's when i use that time to like work on lights and do maintenance and fix things that are broken or upgrade systems and stuff like that so that's another huge part of my job is like if a light breaks you know you can't just mm -hmm ship it back to the vendor and get it fixed it's you know right. you're on the other side of the world in asia like <laughs> that would take months so you know you have to be creative you have to come up with solutions to fixing stuff and you have to be able to open up a light and replace lamps and stuff like that interesting yeah i never really thought about that but that is very true and uh, you know now thinking about it they do have very specific work areas on cruise ships where they you know sometimes they've got like uh, a woodworking area. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? um, yeah, I, and I know it's pretty often for like, for example, sound guys to fix their own equipment, especially when they're on set. Oh yeah. Um, so just the idea of you opening up a light, having to switch out a lamp or something like that, you know, just whatever, if something falls. Yeah. yeah you, mm -hmm. Like I suppose you could go to the next port and, you know, buy a new one, but Right, it's not but as practical like, as having Riley and do we it. don't usually have the budget for that kind of thing either. That's the thing is right. you're constantly fighting for, for budgets for parts and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's just like any other large company where you have to really justify your expenses and stuff like that. <laughs> right. How much support in, in that area do you get from your team with, with lighting or is it really just you? Um, I'm spearheading the lighting movement for any specific venue. So you're generally, I mean, it depends on the size of the ship. Uh, the really big ships will have like three or four light technicians, but generally you get assigned to a venue. This is your venue. This is your lighting rig. This is your lighting console. You learn the rig, you learn the problems with the rig, and then you, you just know it. And then you fix stuff. So if there's a problem that requires other people, you know, you reach out to your team, you set up a time, 
And then like if you need a rigger to come in and drop a light from the ceiling, like ropes and pulleys and stuff like that, you mm -hmm. can, you know, have them come in and stuff like that. The thing about cruise ships is, you know, you're paid a set contracted amount. So there's not really a whole lot of fighting about how many hours you work as long as you're right. not breaking ILO. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And for, for those who are not familiar I, with ILO, um, that's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the uh, international, international labor maritime organization agreement or yeah something like that. Um, yeah, it's basically, basically fourteen hours. You know, it's it's right? the cruise ship workers union. Yeah, you there's a right. certain number of hours you're allowed to work per day, and if you go over that, the company gets in trouble. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I know that's a that that's one of those big things that's on cruise ships, and you know, there's a lot of people who who have this like negative stigma with, with cruise ships and like, Oh yeah, they'll work you and this, this and this. And not to say that it doesn't happen, but at the same time, you know, my experience on cruise ships is they were really, really strict about that where you'd have to, you know, log into Kronos oh, yeah. and oh, for anything yeah. that you do. Yeah, definitely. All the time. Yeah. They're, they're really strict about it. Um, and if you violate ILO, if you don't have a good excuse, like, you know, if you come up with a good excuse, like say there's a complete meltdown in my lighting rig and I just, cannot conceivably not work for less than the set amount of time, then, you know, I just got to do it. And yeah. emergency maintenance is an excuse that I can use to justify mm -hmm. that, but it has to be a good excuse. And, um, yeah, otherwise you'll get in trouble. <laughs> what are some of the specific challenges that, um, you've encountered with your position as a, as a lighting tech that, um, that many people would not really realize is a challenge? Being a lighting tech on a cruise ship is a very different job from being a lighting tech on land. And I think that's the same for pretty much any job on a cruise ship. The structure is completely different. The workload is completely different. Um, you know, you're not a lot of lighting technicians on land. You'll just be, you know, showing up to your venue, programming the show and everything will already be set up and you don't have a lot of responsibilities outside of, your desk, your lighting desk mm -hmm. and the show, you know, you have to make sure that runs, make sure it looks good. That's your job. Mm -hmm. But you know, on cruise ships, like many other positions on a cruise ship as the lighting technician is expected to do all sorts of stuff. You're, you're expected to help out in lots of different areas and mm -hmm. having a very wide diverse skill set when it comes to entertainment technology is very important. Yeah, that was that was definitely an adjustment for me when I first started with ships. I'm definitely used to it now, but um, that's that's definitely something that I think people will find challenging when you first get into it. If you're used to that mentality of just you have your job and you do your job and you don't have to do anything else, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember. Um, so my experience on cruise ships is as a musician and I was a venue yeah. musician. So I'd be bouncing around different venues and um, I, I knew one of the, oh, well, I knew the lighting tech and, you know, so he would be setting stuff up and the, but every now and then he would bring me an amp or, you know, he would, <laughs> yeah. he would, um, I, I would tell him like, all right, well, uh, we had a different setup today and I got to plug this in. And so he'd have to run the cables and this, this, mm -hmm. and this. And, yeah. um, and, and it's interesting because from that perspective, like I only knew he was a lighting tech because he told me um, right. and it also said it on his badge, but you know, I would have just assumed that he was just any of the other, 
AV tech guys. Multi-purpose technician. They, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, that that's how I pretty much saw everybody. It's kind of like uh, everybody's kind of a jack of all trades in that department. You have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the more trades that you are a jack of, then <laughs> then um, the more useful you are as an employee. Definitely. Like, right. There's been there's been problems with like video that you know some of the broadcast guys were having problems with, and then you know if you have video experience, you can go help them. There's nobody's gonna get mad at you for doing somebody else's job. You know that's my mentality. If I can fix a problem, and I'm capable of fixing a problem, some people are like, no, let the person that's paid to do it do it. But like, I don't know. <laughs> Just right. Well, yeah, it's done. very different from your, your standard corporate environment where it's like, that's not my responsibility. Exactly. And some people try to carry that mentality over to cruise ships, but I just don't think that works. <laughs> no, definitely. Well, like what you, what you realize really easily on cruise ships, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you're in a theater or you're on set or like that whole experience of working on cruise ships is it's hard for everybody in its own way. Yeah. And people realize that very quickly. And so it's easy to come together because we're all going through our own challenge mm -hmm. on the cruise ship. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It, there's you, your first contract is probably the biggest and hardest adjustment period. Um, I think once you have one contract under your belt, it gets a lot easier. You know what to expect. You figured out, where to get things and how things work and where things are. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's a completely different way of life from what most people are used to. And yeah, it totally changes the way you think you forget what day of the week it is. You know, yeah. you're in every day is a Monday and a Friday. That's what I've always said. <laughs> exactly. That's such a good way of saying it. <laughs> how long did it take you to get accustomed to uh, being on the cruise ship and ship life in general when you first hopped on? Um, probably about three months, I'd say, to really feel comfortable to the point that, you know, I could distinguish myself from new people that were just coming in. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot to learn in a short period of time, you know? Lighting technicians on Royal get about two weeks, if you're lucky, to hand over to the next guy. So you have wow. two weeks to learn your job. And I was coming in with probably less experience than I should have. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, I, I had to, I, actually on my first contract, I didn't get any handover. Um, well, I, yeah, I was a brand new hire, fresh into the cruise line business. And I, had nobody to help me really. I mean, there were people to help me. Like the other technicians were like, you know, there for me, but it was really just up to me to quickly figure out how to run this crazy multi-million dollar venue that I, I'd never wow. even come close to working with something like that before. And, you know, I figured it out. I'm still here, but sure. Um, that was a huge challenge was, you know, figuring that all out. I had to, run a production show and call follow spots on my second day at work. Um, wow. And yeah, I, I figured it out, but it was not easy. <laughs> the, the whole figuring it out thing, I feel like is a very common thing on cruise ships as well. You know, yeah. 
just just because I feel like a lot of people they don't you, you walk on the ship and the, there's there's not a lot of information out there to really prepare you sure. and I don't think there ever really will be to really yeah. prepare you 100% mm-hmm. because it's like, a whole different thing try, in itself yeah it's it's a right. uh, it's it's kind of this its own world, you know. Crew life in general is this very small subsection of working class people, you know. So I mean, um, it's it's so different. It's a totally different lifestyle, and it's very hard to know what it's like until you're actually in it. <laughs> right, right. Well, what did what did you enjoy most about working on? Uh, well, what, uh, not did because you're you're still doing it technically. What what sure. do you enjoy most about working on cruise ships? I I think for sure like the amount of people from all walks of life that you get to meet and interact with and form relationships with. Um, you know, I my friends and coworkers are from literally all corners of the globe, and it's uh, it's so cool. You know, you've got so many different perspectives and cultures and societies and languages all combining mm-hmm. together into this crazy melting pot. And you're all just there in the crew bar getting drunk together. And it's <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That um, was, that was, I feel like that for me, um, especially the whole get drunk and crew bar, crew bar together, that, that was really what solidified my positive experience on cruise ships, you know, just oh, yeah. making all of these friends. Yes. Um, 100%. Yeah. But it's like, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, a lot of the time you get to know these people for a few months at a time and then they go to their next ship and you never see right. that person again. And you've That's got right. these weird fleeting rolling relationships and you meet new people and old mm-hmm. people leave and you just like sometimes if you get really lucky, you'll like see somebody from one of your previous contracts and you'll get to hang out yeah. with that person again and it's awesome. But mm-hmm. most of the time, it's like totally new people coming in and totally like all the old people just going somewhere else. And yeah, it's like this constant rotation. I don't even know how to describe that feeling when you're on a ship and then all of a sudden, like you see that person, you're like, you're on this ship. Well, yeah, like, I know. What, are, so what cool. are the chances? Yeah. <laughs> so cool, man. It's really, yeah. really exciting. And it doesn't matter if you knew that person really well or not. Like, the mm-hmm. fact that you had this common shared experience from a previous contract and you had talked to each other at least once, like mm-hmm. that in its in itself is just an amazing feeling because yeah. you're, you're suddenly not alone in this experience again. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and yeah. you mentioned how fleeting it is as well. Uh, my, my last contract I did, I, on my, the first two weeks I was there, I made, um, I had a, a buddy of mine and we were just, we became really, really good friends yeah. and it was two weeks and then he signed off. Yeah. But I've had, you know, on I've the ship, two weeks like feels that. like two months. It's true, yeah, man. I've, I definitely have friends like that and I still keep in touch with them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people from my first contract. In fact, I was telling you the guy that does my sound um, for my YouTube videos right now, I met him on my first contract. He was my sound tech. We worked right next to each other for months. That's awesome. And we're still best friends. He actually came up to visit me in Alaska last year before all this started. And yeah, we still like hang out, play video games together. And it's, it's great. 
you do, you can form lasting relationships, but it's not common, I'd say. Right, right. No, that's awesome. I, I, you know, like I wish that I had the flexibility to travel more because I would definitely go visit those friends from like Ukraine and Romania and Italy, you know, all over. Because I know all I'd have to do is just hit them up on Facebook and say, I'm going to be in town for a couple of days. Can you put me up? And yeah. they say, absolutely. It's easy. And once you, once you start building that network, you can go anywhere, really. <laughs> yeah. And I saw on, 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 your, um, on your vlog, that's, that's your girlfriend, right, on the ship? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Did you meet her on the ship as well? I did. I met her on my second contract, and then we came back to the same ship intentionally to do another contract with each other. Um, and now we're like a registered couple, which is awesome because we don't have to, it's, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to get that couple registration, but yeah, um, but yeah, we, we got that squared away and, uh, hopefully once all this like becomes a little bit more manageable as far as the pandemic is concerned, she can get up here to Alaska and we can hang out for a bit. What is the hardest part about getting the couple's registration? Um, there's, there's just a lot to it. The, the, so it depends on what countries you're from. The Mm. big concern that there is with, uh, a U.S. citizen and a non-U.S. citizen is that that couple registration can be used as like a legal binding proof of relationship, which you can use for like immigration purposes. So there's like specific regulations and stuff around it nowadays, Mm. Um, so we had to like, like write a relationship statement and get a signed letter of like relationship verification from our supervisor and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, just state our intentions to stay together over the long term, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) We intend Um, to hold hands down the I-95. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, so yeah, but, but this registration allows you to, uh, go on the same contracts together, be in the same room together. Is yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. So you can get a couple's cabin, um, which, you know, allows you to have like a, like much larger bed. So you don't have the to worry about single shares and stuff like that. That's um, great. you know, uh, more storage space, more space in general, slightly bigger CV. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> um and um yeah the, they'll they'll do their best to match us up on the same contracts and especially since we're both sure. in the entertainment division as black shirts you know we are very fortunate to have contracts that are the same length and we don't have to worry about any of that so mm. it should be fairly easy for them to match us up on whichever ship we end up going to right 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 um so what does she do? Uh, she's a uh, stage staff. She was actually head stage staff on the ship that we were currently working on. So the, the oh, very stage cool. staff supervisor, basically. Just so I'm not saying her, her, her. What? Um, remind me her name. Cassandra. <laughs> you Cassandra. can call her Cass. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cass. Okay, cool. <laughs> In terms of what Cass's daily duties were, like what what would be some things that she would do on the ship? Um. So a lot of their responsibility, well, as the supervisor, she has to like make the scheduling grid for the stage staff, uh, tell them Mm -hmm. what venues they're going to be working, um, 
you know, what their duties are day to day. If there needs to be a band set up at this time in this place, then she like makes that schedule and figures out where everybody needs to go and allocates resources basically. Um, so that was her kind of supervisor job. And then in addition to that stage staff in general, she's backstage running the shows, um, making sure that the dancers and the performers are staying safe and doing costume changes and, you know, but like setting up bands and doing wheelchairs during turnaround days and stuff like that. Got it. Got it. Okay. I mean, how about what you would expect? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's backstage work. It's there's, there's a lot more to it, but it's like, it's, it's a lot of just like, we need manpower for this entertainment related thing. And mm -hmm. you are here to do that, you know? So right. it can be all sorts of stuff, you know, changing the battery right. in a microphone if it dies and like, there's just stuff that you need people for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like having a PA on set. It definitely, it requires theater experience, obviously. Like you need to know sure. how shows are run. You need to know like how to use a headset and the language to use and Mm. Um, how to cable a band and how to set up microphones and amplifiers and um, how to communicate properly with a technician that needs you to do something and stuff like that. Let's go back to meeting Cass for the first time. You said you met her on your second contract. Can you talk a little bit about how, how you guys met and the, the experience in forming a relationship on a cruise ship? Because I met my wife. Sure. Well. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's so it, the thing about ships is everything happens like very, very quickly, but it also feels like it's like, it takes a long time, you know, like it feels like everything yeah. moves fast, but it like at the same time, like, uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain. <laughs> if you've yeah. been on cruise ships, you understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we were working the same venue together. We, you know, we're working together. So we spend a lot of time together and, you know, we just ended up liking each other, going to the bar, getting drinks and, you know, how most relationships develop normally, I guess. But, you know, at, at some point we just started sleeping in the same cabin. <laughs> you were sharing a cabin with somebody else and she was sharing a cabin with somebody else as well. Yeah. We actually, on the ship that we were working, we have single share cabins. So you're sharing a bathroom in between two single cabins with a full down bed. You, you guys had yeah. the Shoilet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife I've had one of those one as well. <laughs> really? You've never heard that one? Yeah, that's what no. we used to call it. That's good. That's a good, that's a good name for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, because I had the, I had the, the double bunk, um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to like, you know, whenever I would come over there with, with my girlfriend at the time, you know, like I didn't want to have to kick him out, but she had right, essentially course. her own cabin. So nice. for like two months, we would share that cabin. Tiny when I realized, single bed. Oh my goodness. Like you literally <laughs> like this and you're touching each wall. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it's like, man. Um, it's <laughs> living with two people in that room. It's just that never designed to be a thing. <laughs> No, we made absolutely it work. not. And we didn't yeah. hate each other by the time it was over. And then once we got a couple registration, you know, we got to move into the, one of the double bunk cabins. So mm -hmm. um, we had some more space. We had enough storage space for both of us and all that stuff. So 
Oh my goodness, the storage space. You know, if you're able to share with that one. That was such a game changer, having a private bathroom. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and also you separating the toilet from the shower. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. That was always such a weird thing when whenever uh, I would use her shower is, you know, you step right in and you could sit down on the toilet. You could literally take like, a shower. Take shower. Yeah. At <laughs> it, the same so time. True. Yeah. If you're not careful, the toilet will flood while you're showering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, that, that's man. great though, man. And you guys are still going strong. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're, we're doing long distance. We, we did long distance in between the last two contracts. So, you know, it's, it's not a big deal and we're doing okay. And, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that either cruise ships will start again this year and we'll get to go back to work, or uh, the U.S. will start processing visas again and she can come visit. Hey, nice, so, man. Where, where is yeah. she from? Malaysia. Okay, sweet. Um, I, I literally had a question, and then as soon as you said Malaysia, I thought about the country, <laughs> and then I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yep. Happens to me all the time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um so oh that's right. So how I guess my so my next question is uh, go along the lines of the um the long distance thing cuz you know my wife and I did that as well and we we did that for about 2 years. Um so from your experience, what do you feel like is the the key to surviving a long distance cruise ship cruise you know crew love relationship? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It it definitely takes the right people. That's the thing is I don't think every single relationship is compatible with long distance. Um, so, you know, it definitely depends on who is involved. And I think that me and Cass just got lucky and we happen to be fairly compatible and we trust each other. Trust is a huge thing with a long distance relationship. You have to really trust that person to, you know, not screw up the relationship. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot involved, but you know, we, we have formed a pretty tight bond over that time. And especially after spending like two weeks in lockdown together, in the same room and then in addition to that just 150 days not working on this cruise ship together so you know that that definitely brings people closer together if it doesn't push them apart so right right i I imagine your communication level just the ability for you guys to talk about anything and everything is just off the charts like how you're feeling and what you're feeling for the most part yeah i mean you know we talk pretty much every day um yeah just you know keep uh keep each other updated but yeah you know it's it's also you know there's that level of trust that like if you do like miss a day it's just like okay you know we'll talk right no that makes a lot of sense um because there would be some times when i would be on the ship and then carlotta my wife she would be on a different ship or she'd be back home and then you would have these instances where it's just like ah the ship internet's not working today or you know her internet's not working very well because she's from honduras and it's one of those things where it's like if it doesn't work then you you know you just chalk it up to bad luck and then keep moving on it is what it is yeah sometimes your your scheduling just doesn't work out or whatever it's just um it's life and i think we both understand that and um 
we're both very accepting of that. You know, we, we're both very go with the flow kind of people. It definitely seems like it. Well. Yeah. That's the vibe I get from your vlog. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> the first video that I watched of yours, which was the one that has like 230,000 views on it. Um, the, the quarantine one. So some questions that come up to into my mind is was, was there any type of regular there, there, you weren't really doing anything right you were just kind I mean, of just existing during i quarantine? was making videos that was my that was the one sure. thing that really gave me purpose was was mm -hmm. the youtube videos and um just being able to continue to create something and do something artistic and mentally mm -hmm. challenging it was a creative outlet for you yeah creative outlet um so yeah, that's that's what I did. Cast did a lot of painting. Um, that's and cool. There was also just a lot of playing video games and watching Netflix because we did get free internet, which was amazing. So you guys could actually stream Netflix on the ship. It was that strong. When you don't have any guests on board, the internet's actually pretty decent. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. That's the thing is the the guests are the ones always using the internet and slowing you down. So when there's nobody on board, that's you true. can get decent streaming quality i mean it's not like 4k but it's it's sure. watchable you know yeah well because i just imagined that everybody all the other crew would be on at the same time but i guess i didn't even really think about the fact that well that's that's a whole other like what two thousand people that aren't on the ship definitely the the max capacity of quantum is like six thousand total people including crew so there's it's a big ship and um wow so, so what is that yeah, 2000 crew and 4000 guests ish roughly roughly ish yeah. yeah it was definitely not a terrible experience and i've got my nintendo switch best gaming console for cruise ship life in general is the switch okay. it's super portable it's it's amazing it's fantastic it's got good games kept us entertained constantly mario kart <laughs> Not sponsored by Switch, by the way. <laughs> but in terms of your regular, you know, lighting duties, there's there's nothing for you to do on the ship because yeah, well, there's well, no there's nothing happening, right? Or beyond that, because I wasn't on contract, I wasn't even allowed to touch my equipment because of like the liability reasons. Like if I was to accidentally break something and I'm not being paid, like like. I wouldn't technically be allowed to fix that. So like, yeah, I wasn't allowed near my equipment. Um, I was specifically forbidden from touching any of the audio video lighting equipment. So I couldn't even like work on my show files or like just play around and stuff like that, which was, which was hard at first, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I've kind of, I definitely got over that and then just, poured more energy into YouTube. This is so now, well, this is interesting because you're saying you're, you weren't on contract. So once you hit quarantine and you're not working, so you were also unpaid. Well, so they did give us this $400, $400 a month, like goodwill payment just to all the okay. crew members still on the ship. They just oh, gave us this little stipend to, you know, spend at the bar or, you know, cover some utilities back home or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was plenty. That was enough to subsidize most of my expenses while we were oh, yeah. just waiting. Um, yeah, 400 bucks a month to every single crew member still on the ships. Like the company didn't really have a good reason to do that and yet they did it anyway. So sure. I really appreciate them for doing that. 
Yeah, no, that's, but that's yeah, I wasn't, awesome. I wasn't under contract and I wasn't getting my actual full salary, but sure. Considering I wasn't then again, working, it seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, you're getting free food and you know, you, yeah. you did get upgraded to a guest, a guest cabin. Yeah. Yeah. Which after so, being in a regular cabin is like a mansion. It, exactly, man. <laughs> you know, it, I really didn't have very many things to complain about at all. Um, yeah. It was, it was quite luxurious considering everything that was going on in the world at the time. I'm, I'm sure you did experience um, some people who did have a lot to complain about though. It, you know, everybody handles things differently and especially mm -hmm. towards the beginning of this year when everything was happening. Like sure. people just have different coping mechanisms and some people's coping mechanism is just to complain about everything that they don't like around them. So, you know, I, I understand that, but um, yeah, there, there are always going to be people that are unhappy with their circumstances, but sure. I just try to live with what I got, you know? Yeah. From, from my perspective, you know, nobody really has control over the circumstances that we're in right now. So might as well just accept them. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, yeah. I, I, I really admire your, your outlook on, you know, I, I, life in general one of the videos that i was watching i can't remember which one of them but you know like you were you were basically you were talking about the face masks and yeah. why you know why they're making you wear the face masks even though you know nobody you, nobody on the ship's got covid and right. you're all maintaining the distance and, and yeah all of those things but you're required by law to to wear it so that when you go back you yeah. know like you're just following everybody's just following the rules yeah it was just kind of this blanket regulation that was put on all cruise ships and it seems reasonable to me you know it because you know you're not like it would take so many more resources for governments to granularly set policies based on every single ship's numbers so it seems a lot more reasonable that we're we were doing what we were doing at the time and right i, I don't know what it's like there now but i imagine they're still doing something similar are there still people on the ship now? Yeah. Quarantine? I've still got a couple friends. The, what is it? So South Africa still isn't letting any people repatriate. Wow. So my South African friend is still stuck there. Um, and a couple other people. I mean, obviously there are some people that are still employed under contract to keep the ship running while it's not being operated. So like, there's still a captain and a chief engineer and a small mm -hmm. like team of Marine staff to like occupy the bridge at all times and stuff like that. My understanding is they're just anchored outside of Singapore in the international anchorage right now. Um, wow. And they're just hanging out waiting for things to change. I guess that, that makes a lot more sense too. Cause you know, I guess in my head, I just, I kept thinking that the ships were just sailing around, but that doesn't make any sense. You're just wasting fuel. Yeah, I mean, so. we were definitely sailing around for a time to, like, get people home. Since we're in Southeast Asia and a lot of the crew members are from Southeast Asia, like, we just went to the Philippines and unloaded all the Filipinos, went to Indonesia and unloaded all the Indonesians, went to China, unloaded all the Chinese crew members. So right. that was that was the great part about being on a ship is, you know, we're it's a like giant transportation ship right passenger there. vessel, you know, <laughs> so we can just go where we need to go and unload people right. in boats so you know it's almost bus. like we were designed to to accomplish something like that 
So right. that was right. really great. The the next question I have for you is the some of the, the, the challenges of working on cruise ships. So I guess we can work kind of chronologically because I think that the challenges kind of evolved based on, you know, in the beginning, kind of your naivete. And then later on, when you're a little bit more um, experienced on ships and now it's just like, well, now I know what to expect. And now it's really just these things that um, I'm having to deal with. So yeah. I guess in the beginning, what were the main challenges that you had um, just being a newbie on the ship. Adjusting to the different work environment and just, you know, figuring out how things worked. Yeah, just adjusting to the drastically different type of work. You know, you're, you're working 24-7, you're constantly on call, you've got a deck phone, and if somebody calls you, you're expected to go into work regard regardless of what time it is. So, like, if it's 4 in the morning and I'm asleep and something breaks and some somebody needs something fixed and I go in at four in the morning and fix the lights or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just being constantly on call, constantly alert and like ready for anything. And that was, that was an adjustment. Now it's just like, yeah, this is how it is. And now that you're used to those, you know, those challenges and especially in terms of work and having a deck phone, you know, things like that. Yeah. What, what are the things that you've gotten used to that you've, that you really understand that, yes, this is a challenge, but I'm more, I'm, I'm mature enough to handle them now because I've been on like three, four contracts. When you go around to different ships, there's kind of this inconsistency almost between like the standard of equipment that I'm working with. So I remember I, I started out on Anthem of the Seas, which is based out of New York. And I moved to the Asian market on Quantum of the Seas. And I did two contracts on Quantum. And the, the resources that we have to work with on an Asian ship versus an American ship are completely different. And it's almost like being cut off from the company in a way because you're like a full day's time zones in the future, you know? so it's a very small subsection of the market. So the company kind of leaves you alone a little bit more than you're used to. And mm -hmm. there's a lot more that you just have to kind of be independent and do for yourself, especially when it comes to ordering new parts for broken lights and, mm. you know, being a lot more resourceful when it comes to fixing stuff and, um, because everything needs to be shipped back to the States in order to get it fixed, you know, unless you can find parts in Japan or China or something like that, which I had to do a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's something that it definitely took some getting used to. At, I'm at the point now that I have my own toolkit um, yeah. to like that I bring on every contract to do maintenance and repairs and stuff because I don't know what I'm going to be confronted with when I get to X ship. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's nice. I've, I've got kind of a consistent bag of tools that I can bring and know that I'm going to have the same equipment to work with and stuff like that. Right. Did you ever experience the uh, cruise ship loneliness? I know you had Cass with you, but did, did you ever feel that? where you're like kind of isolated from the rest of the world and family and um, towards the beginning of the pandemic for sure. Yes. Because we were literally 
stuck on the ship, you know, and in a much bigger way, we were completely cut off from the world. You know, you can't get off the ship and go into a port and see people and, you know, experience a completely different country. You're, you're just here with this set group of people and you all have this kind of shared circumstances, of course, but, um, yeah, we were still cut off and it, it was definitely, there were definitely days where, you know, you just want to lie in bed and not do anything. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm very grateful that YouTube just happened and I started to actually, you know, pull myself out of that and have something to do to give myself purpose and connect me more to the outside world. I'm glad that you have YouTube as well. <laughs> to provide yeah. everybody with that with that insight because you know that's i think that's great and everybody uh, i think that's important for people to be able to see what's going on behind the scenes especially like during a time like that one of the reasons i got so lucky i think is you know it, it's a story that nobody else was telling and people are very interested in what's going on with cruise ships right now because nobody's cruising and that's mm-hmm. something that people are just universally interested in is stuff that they can't see, you know, the man behind the curtain. What advice would you give to the people who are looking to work on cruise ships and, and they're just really eager to do it even now? Um, I get people asking me about that all the time. It's cool. It's, it's actually really cool how many people are interested in it nowadays. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of growth potential for that just general labor market. I think yeah. that's really exciting because um, people are finally realizing what a cool job it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just, you have to be open-minded. You have to be ready for anything. You have to be willing to work hard constantly and to the point that you're almost burning yourself out and then just take a break for two months. Um, it's, it's a lot there's a lot of work just being constantly thrown at you and you have to be ready for ready for that. You have to be able to work with other people as a team, as a cohesive unit. Um, and you have to be just ready to experience new cultures and be open-minded to other people's ideas and ways of life. And there's just, so much diversity in not only your social interactions, but your operations within your own job, you know, cause, cause you're working on a team of people that come from all sorts of different work backgrounds and you have to all just kind of work together to figure out your problems and get yeah. your stuff done. So, you know, communicating and just finding common ground with people that you don't necessarily have a lot in common with, very important. But yeah, yeah, most of all, just being open-minded and being ready to experience new stuff and be exposed to the world. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that a hundred percent. Cause yeah. you know, like there's, there's so much that like, that you can't, you know, we talked about it earlier. Like there's just no way to prepare for everything on the cruise ship. And like, even, even the most seasoned people who are working on cruise ships, you walk onto another ship and, this something else is going on yeah that's right uh yeah and there are all these different types of ships different people yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's absolutely unique 
amazing experience. I don't think it's necessarily for everyone. There are definitely people that I've met on ships that it, the, the lifestyle just didn't mesh with them very well. And yeah. you know, they moved on to other stuff, but um, you know, it, it takes specific kinds of people in general. I think it's a very positive thing. If you kind of open your mind and let things happen. Right. I'll say that, you know, I was, I feel like my experience on cruise ships, it really opened me up um, and made me, made me think about the world completely differently and what opportunities were out there for me. Yeah. Um, Made me think about people differently. Like I didn't even read, like I knew Greece was a place and they had their own language, but I never really heard the Greek language until I went to to cruise ships. (laughs) And then you just like, you get to hang out with a bunch of dudes from Greece and like get to know what it's like (laughs) living there. And you know, just swapping stories over some beers in the bar and just learning about each other's cultures and ways of life. And it's so cool. And that will always be my favorite part of working on cruise ships is getting to know people and getting to experience the world through other people's lives. Riley, dude, thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Yeah. And I I really appreciate your 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 wisdom um for i'm sure i'm sure we we have a lot of the 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 same um followers but for like the three people who don't know you um where can they find you um i am at youtube.com slash riley tench um i just put out my crew area tour which goes over all the neat like hidden areas like the crew bar and like different entertainment venues in the crew mess and where we eat and exercise and all that stuff so it's a great video. I'm really happy with how it turned out and I'm hoping yeah, it'll no, I, do well. <laughs> I just watched it today and uh, I don't recommend this, but I did watch it in the car on the way home because I was in some traffic. <laughs> don't do <Okay>. it, but, <laughs> but definitely watch it when you're at home in a safe environment. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. But, um, anyway, um, again, Riley, thank you. And, uh, and, yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview um if you guys have any questions or comments or anything like that leave it in the comment section down below you can also reach out to riley directly if you have any questions for me you can leave it in the comment section or uh hit me up on instagram uh ship life tv at ship life tv anyway uh, if you like the content like the content um and subscribe if you want to see more videos just like this from a guy like me and i'll see you in the next video